They kept looking to God even when they blew it. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders us, everything that clings so closely, every sin, every distraction, everything that keeps us from loving God more. Let's look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It's good to be here today. There are several faces that uh, I haven't seen in a while, including we have a friend from Canada who's joining us, so thank you. I'm glad you're here. And uh, we also have several people that are brand new. And I haven't met you yet, but I hope to when we're done. My name is Adam, and I'm the pastor here. And it is my privilege to be here and my honor to be able to share with you God's Word today. Uh, We are finishing, or we finished last week a a series, and now we're starting something new. And we finished a series called Imperfect. The truth is, you and I are imperfect people. Our relationships are imperfect. We as a church are imperfect. Even our bodies are imperfect and wasting away to sickness and illness. Uh, Today, we're keeping in prayers uh, the family of Matthias Witte, and Matthias specifically because he's in surgery this morning because yesterday he broke his arm playing soccer. So, you know, our bodies are super imperfect and we break in a lot of ways. If imperfect is who we are, uh, what we're going to focus on this month is, so what? In our imperfect, uh, not quite right state, what do we do? Our, Our series is called Hard Love. Because you and I, in our imperfect state, are called to do something every single day that is incredibly difficult. It takes a lot from us. It goes against our natural, imperfect, broken state. We love, even when it's really hard. In that video, it shared from Mark chapter 12, and that's where we're going to begin today. Jesus is confronted by some people wanting to test him. And you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with these verses. Some people want to test Jesus and and try to trap him into saying the wrong thing. Have you ever met somebody like that? They're just looking for an opportunity to prove that you're wrong? Jesus meets these people and says, what is the greatest commandment? Now, for you and I, that's no big deal, right? We're 2,000 years removed, but it was a really important thing for them because the entirety of the Jewish faith was built upon living in a way that honored and submitted the commandments of God. There's 618 commandments in the Old Testament. You have to do these things in order to be godly. And not only were there all these commandments, they had then in the interpretation process added to it. 
What does it mean to honor the Sabbath? Well, it means you cannot take more than a thousand steps or not lift more than a certain amount of pounds or not cook more than a certain amount of food. There's certain things you can't do. And so they added more and more and more on top of what must you do if you're saved, if you belong to the family of God. And Jesus, and when asked this question, what is the greatest commandment? He answers, and this is what he says in Mark chapter 12. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, Jesus quotes the Old Testament directly. What is the most important thing we must do because we belong to God? What do we need to do more than anything else? If I were to ask you, what's the most important thing you need to do? There could be any number of answers, right? Well, today I need to go to the store and get the stuff I need for the party for the football game I'm going to watch tonight, right? Or, Or the most important thing I need to do is just be a pretty good person. Or the most important thing I need to do is is just not suck as much as that person, right? Like there's any number of things we could say this is most important. And Jesus, he doesn't even come up with an original. He doesn't even take the time to be like, I am God. I can speak for myself. I know it all. No, he's just like, it already says it. You know what it says, right? In fact, quoting from Deuteronomy 6 would have really hit home with this guy. Because Deuteronomy 6, this verse in particular, is the most important verse for Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Every single Jewish child from the moment they were born grew up hearing this repeated over and over and over again. This was the core of their identity. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, Now, in in Deuteronomy, it doesn't say, and with all your mind. It just says, and with all your strength. And the reason for that is they equated heart and mind to be the same. And so it was like, why repeat yourself? In the days of Jesus, heart and mind were thought to be a little different. So he adds both. Look, love God with everything you have. Nothing else matters. Anybody in here do that? I didn't think so. Anybody ever tried to do that? It's really, really hard. And it's really hard to love God with all your heart and all your strength and all your mind and everything in you because there's a lot of other things that come up for you to love as well. And so oftentimes for myself, what happens more often than not is instead of loving God with everything, I just love him with what I think he wants from me. So I'll show up on Sunday morning. You guys would be very disappointed if I didn't, right? I'll go through the motions and sometimes I'll read my Bible and sometimes I won't. Confession, I am a pastor and reading my Bible does not come naturally to me because sometimes I find it really boring. Do you? Sometimes I find it really confusing and the worst of times I find it really offensive often. It says things that cut to the core and I I don't like them. Some things I don't like because I can't understand how can this be? And some things I don't like because they completely contradict what I naturally want to do. Love God with everything in you. 
But how? Especially today. Like 2,000 years ago, it might have been much easier to love God with everything, right? They didn't have electricity. So when the sun went down, what do you do? You go to bed. Which, if you're anything like me, most of the things I regret in life happened after 10 p.m. So if you're going to bed when the sun goes down, you got a lot less time to do the things that you're going to regret later, right? It might have been a lot easier for them to love God with everything because they didn't have the Super Bowl to look forward to. Or the text messages that were blowing up their phone. Real quick question for you. How many of you sleep with your phone on your bed? Okay, how many of you sleep with it on your nightstand right next to your bed? How many of you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you pick up the phone, not only to turn off the alarm, but to see all the little red dots that have shown up in the night that you have to get rid of before you get out of bed? Anyone? We live in a world filled with opportunities to distract us from the most important things. I don't think anything is wrong with the phone. In fact, I'm really thankful for mine. I don't think there's anything wrong with those little red dots. But you know those little red dots can actually change the way you think and you begin to become consumed with the need to check just in case there's a little red dot that you might have missed. You become consumed psychologically. It's a real thing where your brain begins to say, I need to check just in case. Anybody ever like picked up your phone and looked at it and you have no idea why? Like it didn't vibrate. You weren't looking for the time. You didn't care about the weather. You had no interest. You're like, I don't know what else to do. Let me just look. Anyone? All the time. In fact, the average American picks up their phone over 80 times a day, most of which are unsolicited. You're just picking up the phone to pick up the phone. It's really hard to love God with everything when something so wonderful is in the palm of our hands to be so distracting. Love God with everything. There's a, another section of the, of the Bible we're going to look at today. It's in the Old Testament. It's from Joshua. If you know anything about Joshua, Joshua was the one who took over after Moses. Talk about some big shoes to fill, right? Hey, Moses, I know that you literally met God face to face. And like, I know that you were there on the mountain when the mountain was on fire. And I know that you led the people out of Egypt. And now I have the job of leading these people. And at the beginning of Joshua, before Moses dies, Moses says to him, be strong and courageous. Over and over and over again, look, the task set before you is going to be hard. You can do it. Be strong and courageous. And if you've read the book of Joshua, his biggest task was to lead the people into the promised land, something Moses never got to do, to lead them into all of God's promises and all of his blessings, and to do so by conquering their enemies. I've never been to war. For those who have, I'm thankful, but I'm really glad I've never had to go and fight. It'd be really hard. And they're, they're tasked with this challenge of going in and conquering their enemies to secure this promise of God. And they mostly do it. If you read through the story, there's a lot of times they kind of do it, but not fully. In fact, it causes a lot of problems later because even as Joshua is preparing to die, they had not yet completed the work God set out before them. Even as Joshua is preparing to die, they were unfinished in the things he had begun. And Joshua charges them. He says, look, 
Continue the task set before you. The things God has been doing, keep doing them. But here's what's really important. And maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you have it mounted on your door when you come into your house. Because we as American Christians, we like to take scripture and just like throw it up on the wall and not actually pay attention to what we're saying. All right? Joshua chapter 24. He's getting ready to die. And if you've ever been by someone's bedside when they're getting ready to die, normally they're not talking about the little red dots that they forgot to check. Normally the last thing they're going to say before they die is what's most important to them. And Joshua begins in the start of chapter 24. The the first 13 verses he describes to them who God is. See, this generation was not the generation that was there at the Exodus. It was their parents and their grandparents. This generation is not the one who was there when God parted the waters and they walked across some dry land. He was not the one who was there when God fed them in the wilderness miraculously by literally food that rained down from heaven. He was the one right afterwards. But Joshua was there. Joshua witnessed this thing that God had done. Joshua had experienced it. And he had led these people on this promise. God has been faithful before. He'll do it again. Trust me. And so at the beginning of chapter 14, he lays out for them, this is what God has done. He rescued us from Egypt. He fed us when we were hungry. He fought for us when we were at war. God has done everything you could ever need him to do. Verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. As he's getting ready to die, Joshua puts this challenge before them. Remember everything that God has done? Remember how great he is, how great he's been to us. Remember all that he said he would do, he's done. Everything's enough. So here's what I say to you. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. Fear the Lord and and serve him. He's worth it. Well, it's not the same. It kind of, to me, echoes that idea. Love God with everything. Remember he's worth it. Love him not just sometimes when it's convenient, not just when you're going through hard times and you desperately need him, not just love him so that you get the promotion you're hoping for. No, love him with everything. But then in what I perceive to be sarcasm, maybe not, he goes on. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And I like that little last bit, right? He's like, look, if it's evil for you to serve God, if loving God is not the thing you want to do, if you just want to half-heartedly love God, if you want to do it on your own terms, if you want it your way, you know what? Choose whom you're going to serve. And he points out the people beyond the river in Egypt, those gods and the Amorites, What is he saying about those gods? Nothing. Those gods are literally nothing. Like our God has already conquered them and destroyed them and shown you that he's better. But if you'd rather serve those lesser ones, those ones that will leave you and abandon you and will not be there to fight for you, if that's who you'd rather have, 
Go for it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the reason I say many of us probably have this hanging on the wall and don't understand the context is what comes next. If you were there and you heard this final plea, this deathbed cry, remember all that God has done for you and choose whom you will serve. I think our answer would be like the Israelites. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord or serve other gods. We would never do such a thing, right? Surely other people might not love Jesus, but I will always love Jesus, right? I'll always love this God. I remember what he's done for me. And here comes Joshua's response in verse 19. You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. What? The people are so excited. Yes, we want to do this. He says, no, you won't. You're going to blow it. You are not able to serve him faithfully. What? In Deuteronomy 6, where there's that wonderful and challenging verse that Jesus quotes, love God with everything. And what comes a little before and a little after? The Ten Commandments. Are you familiar with them? Commandment one, have no other gods. Well, that's simple. I love Jesus, right? And yet, sometimes I trust in my ability to earn an income far more than I trust in Jesus' willingness to provide. And sometimes I trust in the people who like me artificially on social media more than I trust in the people who like me in person. And sometimes I trust more in my ability to think things out and figure it out on my own than I trust in God's ability to get me through whatever I'm going through. Have no other gods, and yet I place all kinds of other things ahead of God. Honor the Sabbath. I'm guilty of that. I rarely honor the Sabbath. I rarely take a day to rest. Even on my day off, I normally work in some way. Honor your father and mother. Anybody in here ever broken that one? I see parents across the room looking at their kids. Kids, listen up. Honor your father and mother. This is what God wants. See, oftentimes we, in our Christian world, we look at Jesus and we say, because of Jesus, I do nothing. All right? Like, I don't need to do anything different. I can be just like I used to be, but I have Jesus now and it's suddenly better. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all throughout the Old and New Testament, is equated not just with loving him in the things that he does for us, and not just loving him in the words that we give back to him, but loving him in the way that we serve him, in the things that we do because of him. Our life looks different because of Jesus. And if our life looks the exact same, it's worth asking, do you love God? with everything. Now don't hear me wrong on this. This is not a shame on you because you continue to sin. Because we just finished saying you're imperfect and you will always be imperfect. So am I. But sometimes in our imperfection, we're okay with that. Like I know that I'm a terrible person, but that's just who I am. And you guys have to deal with it because Jesus loves me. Yeah, Jesus might love you, but everybody else thinks you're a jerk. Stop it. 
All right? I don't think that about any of you. Don't worry. All throughout the scripture, listening is equated with obeying. I've told you stories of my kids before, so I'm going to tell you another one. Anybody in here have kids? I'll tell you there are two times when I really don't enjoy having kids. And those two times are bedtime and trying to leave the house. All right? Because when you try to leave the house, you tell your kids, put your shoes on. You are capable. All you have to do is put your foot in the boot. You don't even have to tie it, right? Just put your shoe on. Something, anything would be better than nothing. And it takes you like 27 times of telling them to put their shoe on. And they still haven't done it. It doesn't matter the tone of voice you use. It doesn't matter the threats you make. It doesn't matter if you're like, you're not going anywhere until you die. If you don't put your shoes on, they still will not put your sh- their shoes on, right? So sometimes I think we treat God's word in a very similar way. Like imagine if I told my son, we were going to leave, go put your shoes on. And I came back five minutes later and he's like, hey dad, hey, why are your shoes not on? Oh, I just, I thought you just meant that like metaphorically, like you wanted me to think about it. No, go put your shoes on. I come back five minutes later. Not that I ever start trying to get him to put his shoes on 30 minutes early, but I should. And I come back five minutes later and I'm like, hey, why are your shoes not on? He's like, dad, I was really moved by what you said, put your shoes on. (laughs) That is so loving. (laughs) Great. Put your shoes on. And I come back a couple minutes later, and not only does he not have his shoes on, now he's got friends that he's invited over to the house. What are you doing? Dad, I just thought it was so great that you said to put my shoes on. I wanted to go and tell my friends. So I've been telling my friends what you said. It's so good. Okay, did you put your shoes on? No. Can you imagine how I might sin in that moment? And imagine if I came back a little bit later and not only does he have his friends there, they're sitting around and they're looking. He's written down, put your shoes on. And they're breaking it down like, what does put mean? Like, what is that? And they're digesting it and they're talking like, what do we do with this in my life? What does this mean for me? Would I be a very kind or happy dad in that moment? No. Put your shoes on. And yet for God, we often treat him the same. He says, this is what I want my people to do. Wow, that is so loving, God. This is what I want my people to do. God, you're so good. I just want to tell everybody about what you said. This is what I want my people to do. God, I just want to study every bit of what you do. Just do it. When we talk about loving God with all of our heart, Joshua knew the truth that you and I face. We can't do it. We won't do it. Because there's a lot of other things that will pull for our love. In English, we have a challenge with love because we use love for just about everything, right? I can say in the same sentence, I love my wife and I love tacos. And I'm referring to two entirely different things. Like when Jesus says, love God, 
It is this deep-seated trust that moves us and compels us to obey. It is this love that says you and your word and whatever you say is worth it. And so when it's boring and it's confusing and it's uncomfortable and it's challenging, it's still worth it to do as you say. And Joshua knew the people would fail. He knew they would get it wrong. Jesus knew this too. When he summed up in Mark chapter 12, when he summed up all of the commandments and he said, love God with everything, he knew they wouldn't. He knew the same people who were trying to test him would be the people wanting to try him. The same people trying to test him would be the people wanting to crucify him. And he knew that about you and me too. And when he says to us, love God with everything, we won't. But there's hope. See, he didn't come so that we'd get it right. He didn't come so that we can try again. He didn't come so we can just keep trying harder and harder. He came to make us free of all of our sin and say, you are forgiven. Now go and be as you were made to be. Go and do what I made you to do. And when you get it wrong, repent. But keep going, not in the need to strive and get it perfect, but because you're loved and you're forgiven, go and love. In Hebrews chapter 12, there's this really wonderful uh, promise, one of my favorites. You see, in Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews, he's describing this great like hall of fame of heroes of the faith. And if you look at the heroes he describes, many of them suck. Like Abraham, who didn't believe God's promises. And he's like, hey, Sarah, just tell everybody you're my sister, which means you can sleep with them if they're not going to kill me. What? Or like David, who took advantage of his power for the sake of his own gain. Look at these heroes of the faith who didn't get it right. And yet in Hebrews 11, they are championed as heroes who loved God deeply. Heroes who put God above everything else. And then there's this great verse in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him had endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The author of Hebrews says, look, because we have all of these people who got it wrong so often, but they kept coming back to God, you're good. God, I know what you have done and I know what I have done and what you have done is enough. Help me today. They kept trusting in the things that were not yet seen. The reality that was promised that was not yet theirs. They kept looking to God even when they blew it. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders us. Everything that clings so closely, every sin, every distraction, everything that keeps us from loving God more. Let's look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. How, was, how is it that we look to Jesus? Well, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising shame. And now he's seated at the right hand of God. You and I are called to love God with everything. Oftentimes, at best, I love him with some things. But here's how we do it. Not by trying harder or getting it right. No, look, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who have loved God far longer and far better than you and I probably ever will. And because they could love him, let's look to Jesus and love him too. And so for you and for me, if we want to honor Jesus and do this hard love, if we want to live in this life of doing what he told us to do and not just talking about it as if it's really good, but actually doing it. If we want to love God with everything, we need to be surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. People who remind us of all that God has done. People like Joshua who say, remember everything that's happened. And even though you fail, Choose this day to serve the Lord. Even though you won't get it right, love God with everything in you. You and I, in order for us to love God with everything, we need people around us to remind us that God is everything. And I tell you what, it will not be enough to have those people in your life on Sunday morning. And that's it. I mean, let's be, let's be real. How many of you check your phone only on Sunday morning? Anyone? If something so unimportant as your Facebook notification or your work email can be worth a little bit of every day, and in many cases, a lot of every day, surely Jesus and the people who can point you to him are worth it too. Surely this God who would give everything for you is worth a little bit every day and some days even more. And surely you need people around you that when you fail can say, it'll be okay. Yeah, you don't love God perfectly, but neither do I. And he still loves you. Here at the point, one of the ways we help people do this is with connect groups. We have several groups that meet and several more that are starting soon. Uh, connect groups are an opportunity to say, I need people around me who can love me when I'm unlovable. I need people around me who can remind me of who God is and what he's done, who can point me to Jesus to look to him in the midst of all of my distractions, who can help me see that I can't just listen to God, but I have to actually do what he's calling me to do and walk in the ways he's calling me to walk. I need people who will stand beside me and say, we can do this together, you and I. If you're not a part of a connect group, you're missing out. If you don't have those people that you can meet with regularly, even if it's just via text or something you send in an email, people who can regularly say, you can do this, you're going to miss out. So I want to encourage every one of you today, who are those people? And if you don't know the answer to that, make today the day you start trying to find it. Say, I want to love God with everything, so I need people who will help me do that. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you are more than enough. So often, God, we don't love you. We just tolerate you. 
So often, God, we don't love you. We just like you. We think about you when we need you and we forget you when we don't. Forgive us, Lord. God, like Joshua, may we stand and declare that today we will choose you. And God, we know we will fail. May we trust in you anyway. May we look to those around us who love you to be encouraged when we are weak, to stand strong when we've got nothing left, to continue to do what you've taught us to do when we don't want to. God, may we be a people fully committed to loving you with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and our strength. And from that love, the world around us would see all the work that you have done and are still doing today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you, like me, have been a little distracted by the smell of popcorn. Anybody? It's a special bonus this morning. They're doing something today in this theater for like a whole bunch of, I don't know, uh, movies that won a bunch of awards or something like that. So they're starting movies earlier today. Uh, which means popcorn starts earlier. Hooray. Uh, so when you leave, you can catch a movie and popcorn right away. You don't have to wait, all right? As we continue our worship, however, we're going to collect our offering. Uh, I want to share with you something really encouraging. Last week, we said that uh, we would like for Emily and I to go to, um, to go to this conference in Phoenix. Nick came up here as part of the finance team and said, hey, here's what we're doing. And uh, you guys were really generous and said, let's make it happen and have. So thank you. Um, I'm really blessed by that. And th that's worth celebrating because everything we do, even something like going to a conference, we don't do lightly. We say, is this going to help connect people to Jesus? And one of the things that we set out to do in December was rent-free. Anybody remember that? If not, if you're newer here or you're not familiar, rent-free is our endeavor to say, let's set aside rent in advance so that we can have a whole year's rent uh, ready so the rest of what comes in can be used to connect with people. Uh, last year, we are now up to 11 weeks of what's been uh, received or has come in. So 11 weeks of this year, nearly three months, are already taken care of. We don't have to worry about paying rent. We can just focus on loving our community and making a difference. Uh, so thank you for those of you who have given for rent-free and those of you who plan on it but haven't yet. You still can at thepointknox.com. As we collect our offering today, uh, remember this. We don't give because it earns us anything special with God. We don't give so that our bank account grows a little bigger later. No, we give because we believe God is doing something wonderful and we want to be a part of it. If you came prepared to give today, you can do that in the popcorn buckets. Don't worry, the popcorn's coming later. They're currently not filled with that. Um, you can give in the popcorn buckets or you can give at thepointknox.com. However you give, remember you are loved no matter what. Uh, so a couple of things came in. Last week somebody asked, what does hallelujah mean? What's the literal translation? I said, I don't know. Uh, quite literally, hallelujah means God be praised. Cool. Um, all right, what is hell after this life? I know what hell on earth is. I've lived through it a few times, but what is hell versus heaven in the afterlife? Is it a literal place where people and souls go forevermore if they don't accept Jesus as the son of God? Is it a place where people and souls reside uh, for eternity if they don't believe a certain way? We could spend a lot of time talking about hell. So my short answer will be this. Hell was not created for you and I. In fact, if you read in scripture, hell was created for the devil and his demons, a place where they belong, not you and I.
But when we say, God, I don't want you in his love, he's not going to force himself upon us. So while he's always pursuing and always chasing and never giving up, we are free to say, God, I don't want this. I'll do it my own way. And when we say, I don't want this, we're saying, God, I don't want you. And when I don't want you, he's not going to force us to be with him. So hell is described as a literal place where there is pain and suffering, not as a means of torturing those who didn't believe right, but of giving those who didn't want God exactly what they wanted, which is painful. Um, all right. Should a person be baptized before taking communion? Yes, communion is considered a family meal for the family of God, and you are brought into the family, whether as a child or as an adult, through baptism. So if you've not been baptized, and you've not been taught to understand what happens when we receive communion, uh, I would wait to take communion and tell those two things. If you have questions, I will gladly meet and have coffee or lunch. In fact, I'm going to Wendy's today for lunch uh, to talk about what is baptism and communion, and it's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what resources do you recommend for studying the Bible for those of us who have a hard time with reading comprehension? It's a great question. Uh, I like the Bible app because the Bible app, the uh, version Bible app, will actually read the Bible to you. And here's the thing. Even when you don't comprehend it, it still does something for you. And it's still beneficial for you. Another thing I recommend, you could join us on Sunday mornings. At, at 9 a.m., Shane Bryant has a connect group right next door. Uh, I lead a Bible study at 9.15 across the hall, and you could join us and just talk about the Bible with other people. Let other people's experience and understanding help you grow in yours. Um, as far as resources to read, I don't know, but I can find you some. Um, don't forget we need extra help for loadout today. As I mentioned, the popcorn is already um, cooking. They have movies starting earlier. In fact, people are probably already here for some of the movies. So, if you could help us stick around for a few minutes, uh, put stuff away and push it outside to the storage unit, that'd be really helpful for the theater and for us. And then uh, finally, it feels like every day is fully booked between work and school and family and household responsibilities, etc. How can I love God with my all when my all is already spoken for? You and I are creatures of habit and we will fill our time with something. That's our nature. That's what we do. And so your time is probably already overwhelmed with all kinds of things you can't say no to. So what is something you can say no to? Maybe it's instead of grabbing my phone the first thing in the morning, or when I grab my phone the first thing in the morning, the first thing I'll do is spend five minutes or 10 minutes reading the Bible on my phone. Or maybe your Bible's right there on top of it. Like put your phone under your Bible so you have to pick that up first, right? Or maybe download an app uh, where you can listen to devotions about the Bible as you are driving to work or sitting on your lunch break. Or maybe gather some coworkers and say, hey, can we take five minutes at lunch every day and just like we'll read something Jesus says and ask what do you think about it? Not with any need to like prove my opinion or yours, just like engage with what he says. Um, so we will fill our time with something. So if you, if you want God to be the thing that you fill your time with, you're going to have to put God as the first thing there. How many of you make a point to use the bathroom every day? <laughs> Why? Because there is a burning sensation inside of you that says, I need to go now. This is really important. Make God the same way. Not your bathroom time, though if you spend 20 minutes at a time in the bathroom, great time for Jesus, right? <laughs> uh, but 
a, a burning inside of you that says, I need something today, it matters. And church, remember this, that uh, whether you're really good at loving God or whether you hardly know him, he still loves you. And he's not waiting for you to fix it because we're imperfect, but he invites you today to love him more and to realize that he is for you more. So before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. One other thing that came in real quick. Sorry, Tyler, you're getting the click ready. You're like, yes, uh, I misspoke. I was wrong. We don't have 11 weeks of rent paid for. We have 13. So thank you. That's exciting, really wonderful. And I really appreciate all of you guys. All right, now, Tyler, go for it. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.